Have you ever heard the expression, what's the tea? According to Urban Dictionary, it means when someone has gossip and you want to know every detail as soon as possible. So that's what this podcast is, spilling the tea and what it's like to have cancer or the big C as a young person in Northern Ireland. Recorded in 2022, two charities, Young Lives Versus Cancer and Cancer Fund for Children, have come together to talk about cancer services in Northern Ireland and share the stories of the young people and families we support. This conversation was between myself, Laura, who works for Young Lives Versus Cancer, Lana, a young person who was diagnosed with non-Hodgkin's lymphoma when she was 17 years old, and Kerry, her Teenage Cancer Trust nurse working in Northern Ireland. In, in hindsight now, um, I know that when I, was, uh, when I was diagnosed, I had been ill for a long time. Mm-hmm. And I remember when I was like 16, I was... Um, Putting my putting my blazer down in the school bathroom so I could rest wow. between classes. I was that exhausted, so I didn't really have any kind of like reference point as to what was normal. Mm-hmm. So when I went through treatment, I I don't really I don't really know if I noticed it necessarily mm-hmm. or if it was just kind of a continuation of what I already knew. Yeah. Um. But I definitely find that after treatment was when. I I guess really came to know it as cancer-related fatigue. In this episode, Laura, Lana and Carrie chat all things cancer-related fatigue with some advice and signposting. Enjoy! Macmillan estimate that 9 in 10 people will have some form of cancer-related fatigue either before, during or after treatment. Yet it's a side effect that's often misunderstood or not talked about much. Many young people that the teenage and young adult team in Northern Ireland have supported over the years have been frustrated with their energy levels at some point during treatment. And today we're here to chat with one young person, Lana, about her experiences, but we're also joined by Kerry, who's a Teenage Cancer Trust clinical nurse specialist and has run fatigue workshops in the Northern Trust for TYAs in the past. So welcome both of you. (laughs) So Lana, do you want to start with you and give us a little bit of your backstory? Yeah, so I was um, I was seventeen when I was diagnosed with um, non-Hodgkin's lymphoma. It was stage four, and I had three different types of chemotherapy in fifteen sessions and fifteen doses of radiotherapy as well. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> that's that's quite a lot of treatment. Yeah. And how do you know Kerry? Kerry was my nurse when I was. <laughs> Yay. Yeah. And how long ago was that? That was about six years ago now. Okay. It started in 2016 and ended in 2017. So you guys have a long history. We do, don't we? Okay. Kerry, do you want to introduce yourself? <laughs> yeah, thanks, Laura. I'm Kerry and I work as a Teenage Cancer Trust clinical nurse specialist, so supporting young people aged 16 to 24 with cancer diagnosis. So Yeah. yeah. And I suppose, um, in your professional opinion... What is cancer-related fatigue? So I've got a very good quote here that I think that sums it up quite well from one of the research articles we were reading, so I'll just read it out to you. So cancer-related fatigue is a persistent, subjective sense of tiredness related to cancer or cancer treatment that interferes with usual functioning. It's multidimensional symptom which has physical, affective and cognitive components. And the range of perceptions may include a feeling of weakness, an inability to perform tasks, decreased motivation, low mood and difficulty in thinking clearly. 
It differs from fatigue felt by health individuals in that it's of greater magnitude, disproportionate to the level of exertion and completely incompletely relieved by rest. Lana, what do you think about that quote? I think that's pretty accurate. I find that the fatigue affected me really in every aspect of my life. Mm-hmm. Like I, I definitely did have cognitive difficulties as a result of of the the cancer treatment and the fatigue that came with it yeah because I suppose a lot of people might think we talked at the beginning there about there's a lot of misunderstandings about it and some of that might just be that it's about being really tired but it's not actually impacts on things like concentration your mental health yeah um what other ways might it present I definitely I mean I for example I tried to learn to drive uh-huh. quite soon after treatment ended and I just found that I had no concentration or memory really so from mm. one lesson to the other I just wasn't retaining the information yeah and uh, I find it to be quite quite frustrating mm-hmm. it's definitely a huge huge um, concern for our lots of patients but especially our young people um, and probably the biggest concern and I suppose what we find as professionals our young people would sometimes feel that they're being described as a lazy young person for example who just doesn't isn't motivated and it's so frustrating for them that obviously adds to their kind of feelings of you know just dismay with the whole thing it can be very debilitating and the problem with cancer-related fatigue it sometimes lasts for months or even years after cancer treatment finishes so of course that's that's at a stage where young people are trying to get back as you say Lana back into driving or working or just trying to pick up normal things again and then when you're dealing with that fatigue, it can be so difficult for young people, definitely. To. Mm-hmm. So, Carrie, it would be common. You would say it's common? Very common. It's definitely, and I think um, we pick it up with the vast majority of our young people, especially those who've been through some of the very intensive chemotherapies. Um, I suppose the nature of, you know, when you're young, you get cancer. We're aiming, generally aiming to try and get rid of the cancer. So that it's very intensive treatments that we're given. Mm-hmm. Um, so fatigue can, can last for a long time. And that has so many, and I suppose it's, as we said in that quote, it's multidimensional, so it, it, it's like a, a cir- vicious circle in a way because it can impact men- your mental health, but then if you're feeling stressed and your mental health's not great, that also mm-hmm. makes you fatigue worse. Yeah. Um, and there's so many different parts to it, you know. If you, you know, sleep's a big part. If you have a poor sleep routine, it's going to impact on your fatigue. But again, if you're fatigued, you're not going to sleep. You're not going to want to sleep during the day. It's just a very vicious circle yeah. to crack. And I, I guess from my experience, it's, we can't really cure. It's not something we can get rid of. It's just learning to manage it, really, isn't it, Lana? Yeah. And I suppose there's a lot, there would be maybe mummies and daddies and grannies and grandas listening that would think, oh, well, just if they get more sleep, then they'll feel better. Is that true? No, it's not that type of tiredness that, you know, if you know if you've overdone it and you take a bit of rest, you'll feel re- revived. Cancer-related fatigue is completely different, so any amount of rest doesn't necessarily relieve it. Um. So it's about managing fatigue through just maybe delegating and managing the most important things that you can do, for example, um, setting we- setting tiny goals. And um, there is other things we can do to, to help it. I'm sure we'll chat about, Lana, like lots of things you tried over the, the years. Yeah. So yeah, I suppose yeah. let's talk about your experience. Yeah. So you went, is this something that happened when you finished treatment or was it something that um, started right from diagnosis and lasted for... How long? In in hindsight now, um, I know that when I was uh, when I was diagnosed, 
I had been ill for a long time mm-hmm. and I remember when I was like 16 I was um putting my putting my blazer down in the school bathroom so I could rest wow between classes I was that exhausted so I didn't really have any kind of like reference point as to what was normal mm-hmm. so when I went through treatment I I don't really I don't really know if I noticed it necessarily mm-hmm. or if it was just kind of a continuation of what I already knew. Yeah. Um, but I definitely find that after treatment was when I, I guess, really came to know it as cancer-related fatigue as opposed to just a symptom of what I was mm-hmm. diagnosed with. Okay. And how long did that last for? For me, it lasted uh, over five years. Yeah. Um, it was probably... 2021 towards the end of it that I really started making strides and in, in, in recovering recovering yeah um so I know for some people listening that might be quite scary to think it's a five-year process is it a five-year process for everyone Carrie or is no not not for everybody um everybody's everybody's very individual mm-hmm. but yes there is and I know other people like Lana as well um and Lana you had quite a lot of different intensive chemotherapies and, yeah. and things um it can la- everybody's different. Some people last for months, some people longer. Mm-hmm. Um, I guess it's trying to just manage it and learn coping mechanisms and hopefully hearing from the likes of yourself, Lana, to try and better manage it and just normalise it really. That yeah. it is a normal expected but it's an expected symptom of cancer, unfortunately. Um so I suppose, Lana, do you want to talk us through some of the things you tried that maybe didn't work or what have you done within those five years to start tackling your fatigue? The, one of the big things that I did quite early on was I went to physiotherapy and okay. that was kind of setting small goals. Um, you know, I had like my kind of end goal, which was to start uh, hiking again. Um, but it was little things like, you know, doing exercises at home that, you know, worked out specific muscle groups or whatever, you know, it wasn't it wasn't something insurmountable Mm -hmm. and then as time went on I also went to the gym and I kind of got reintroduced to a bit of exercise starting from scratch and working my way up slowly Mm -hmm. and it was just sort of building from the ground up I find yeah and that was a slow process it was very slow yeah Mm -hmm. so you were you referred to a physiotherapist for yes yeah excellent and did Kerry do that? I think so. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah, and I guess, just as you said there, it's about setting goals, but realistic goals. You're not yeah. going to, you know, conquer this in a in a day or, or you know, in a month even. So, um, yeah. I, yeah, I suppose what I would say, first of all, if, for anybody that is struggling with fatigue, it's important to speak to your medical team about it because... Mm-hmm. Yes, we know cancer and its treatment causes fatigue, but there's other things that might be going on that might be making that worse. So it's always worth a chat with your team, especially if it's a new fatigue. And it could be something as simple as getting, as getting vitamin levels checked, um, getting your thyroid checked, those sorts of things, which can be quite easily managed. So before mm-hmm. you kind of um, take on any program to try and manage it, just make sure there's nothing extra adding to it that can be fixed. Yeah. And it could even, yeah, as you said, we talked about this vicious circle, but even your mental, if your mental health is quite bad at the minute, that can make you very fatigued. And, yeah. Yeah. Or if you've got childcare, care and responsibilities, there are other things that can make you really tired. So it's about working mm. out 
yeah. what, the, what the cause is, yeah. It is, absolutely. And as you, like if you're, the, the fact if you're feeling so fatigued and you've got a lot of commitments and worrying about a lot of things, you're going to start to feel very overwhelmed and that's just going to make the fatigue so much worse. So it's really important to make time for relaxation and trying to work on your mental health if you are struggling with anxiety or, or other mental health conditions. There's help out there. What will work for one person won't work for another, but mm-hmm. it could be just taking an hour to yourself, reading a bit of, listening a bit of music, reading a book, or it could be there's plenty of counselling and psychology, and psychology mm-hmm. services there mm-hmm. to you if if you need them. But, um, and I guess it's if you know if you have a partner or you live at home with family, it's important that they understand the fatigue as well because they can maybe help out. Because what you don't want to be doing is taking on everything if you know you're so overwhelmed and try to delegate usually people be more than happy to help so you can actually just focus on one or two things at a time did you find that with your mom and dad Lana were they understanding or did it take a little bit of explanation I feel like I mean overall I think they were really understanding Mm -hmm. um I I do think it took some explanation to kind of drive home the point that this isn't uh you know comparable to like other types of fatigue you know it's not something that I can sleep and Mm -hmm. recover from like sometimes just being awake will exhaust me yeah uh and but as soon as they sort of understood that then they were really really understanding yeah and extremely helpful I suppose Carrie that well what we've chatted about um Lana that um for any parent or uh carer or anyone that's you know loves someone that's had cancer diagnosis and is maybe struggling with their energy levels post-treatment um what would be what is the difference between a teenager who sleeps into one, two, three in the afternoon and someone with cancer-related fatigue? I mean, where's the line of what's a medical issue or some or a late effect from treatment or just normal teenage behaviour? I, I know, and I, can, I, I, I guess as a parent that can be difficult mm-hmm. to kind of appreciate. But I suppose, you know, if you have a teenager at home who's out burning the candle both ends, partying <laughs> or up all night playing PlayStation or something and they're tired the next day, that's that's normal, that's kind of expected. But if you see your young person, if they've been through cancer and they're really struggling even with having a full night's sleep or mm-hmm. even if, if you notice that cancer-related fatigue will, fatigue will affect their cognitive um level so even with school or even you know that, that concentration needed even for studying for half an hour can be really difficult so um I guess for any young person who has a parent who is who, who isn't kind of grasping that it's maybe worth asking your clinical nurse specialist or somebody in your team to have a chat with your parent just mm-hmm. to explain it there is also good literature out there Macmillan do a very good fatigue um booklet which just mm-hmm. explains exactly what it is and why people get it and that could be a useful maybe resource to give to a parent absolutely yeah mm-hmm. so yeah it's just reassuring that young person that actually this is a late effect of treatment it's not laziness if they are struggling with their parents absolutely and also struggling with school and things you know if yeah. you're if you go back to school or, or work in the workplace and um that's a massive big step if somebody's feeling that fatigue so you know it's important if, if you are struggling with that let let somebody know let one of like ourselves know um, your medical team that we can maybe kind of speak to the school or speak to the workplace to try and or speak to you just to give you a bit of advice yeah. as to how to to kind of work with them to get a wee bit of better balance going on. So Lani you mentioned that you were sleeping in the toilets 
during yeah. school <laughs> to get your energy back up what other issues did you come across in school that were sort of to do with the fatigue I I mean I was risking expulsion I was kind of taken to the side at one point and told that you know I was I was putting my education at risk because mm-hmm. I was going home every day and immediately going to bed mm-hmm. I wasn't doing any homework my parents had to force me to wake up for a meal mm-hmm. and I would cry at the table because I was so exhausted and then I would just go back to bed and so I didn't get any homework done mm-hmm. um, and it was you know I was skipping classes so that I could try and sleep in the bathrooms and uh, I find I find school to be to be quite difficult but yeah. at that time I didn't I didn't know that this was going on mm-hmm. in my body so I had no no real frame of reference I just thought it was normal yeah normal um so and Kerry's raised a really good point actually that um legally if we're going to speak legally actually this is this is a part of cancer being a disability and it's a late effect from treatment so um if you'd had the words or the maybe it's not a diagnosis would it be a diagnosis or I think as you described it a late effect or consequence of your treatment then your treatment yeah and we've and since then, and I know then you did you did work with the school to like cut your hours back, didn't you? I I fully had to leave school when I was on treatment, but then when I returned, I did my A levels over uh, four years instead of two, mm-hmm. and I was really only going in for my classes. I wasn't in for the entire uh-huh. school day or anything. So yeah, so schools have an obligation to uh, you and to anyone listening to um, ensure that you can get your education and they can be adaptable if that means going down to part-time hours or maybe doing a little bit of work from home if that's possible or um, maybe there might be coursework assessments instead. There are some adaptions that can be made and should be made for you as someone who's post-treatment from cancer to ensure that you are equal to basically everyone else in your class because everyone else in your class isn't having to sleep in the toilet or isn't having to go to bed straight after school so it's not fair it's about making things more fair isn't it so um legally there's stuff that schools and employers have to do to help with these issues um so i assume cutting back to doing your a levels over four years helps yeah in the end at that point i i got my first a level but i Mm -hmm. still wasn't I was doing quite intensive subjects and I Mm. still wasn't really able to go and do my other two. Mm -hmm. So that's unfortunately kind of out of the the picture for me now. But um, I mean, I did did feel like the school after knowing my diagnosis and everything really did make accommodations for me. They were really good. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and I think most schools and most workplaces are if they understand what's going on. And I suppose just any young person out there who is struggling but hasn't actually maybe verbalised that to their school or it's just trying to kind of keep going despite the fatigue, it's definitely worth a, a chat with them. Um, as Laura said, it, you're, they're legally obligated to, to support you and mm-hmm. whatever, your, your medical team would be more than happy to write supporting letters or intervene to support you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, same goes for work as well. Um, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Um, so after school, you were still struggling with fatigue so how was that presenting itself it was it it was in things like for example learning to drive Mm -hmm. and just kind of day-to-day you know going about my business not being able to kind of keep on top of like exercise um I kind of find myself in this weird limbo place where I was just in the house all the time Mm -hmm. not really there was really nothing 
that I could do. I couldn't go out with friends. Mm. Impacted social life. It was just kind of stagnation. It, was, it seems to be all areas of your life were really impacted by it. Yeah, definitely. Um, and during this time, you knew it was fatigue. That yeah. was. Um, so what other things were you trying? Did you speak to your medical team? Were you... I spoke to my medical team. I attended a couple workshops uh-huh. um, and, you know, try to do a little bit of exercise here and there. Uh-huh. Um, yeah. Yeah. So Kerry, you would run some of these workshops, wouldn't you? Yeah, we've run a, a few workshops for fatigue. Um, and it's something that most you, most patients or all patients can access within Northern Ireland's Macmillan Fatigue Workshop. So mm-hmm. we ran a couple just for young people. Um, and I guess the idea of the workshops is to normalise fatigue and so that you get a bit of an understanding actually what this is, it's normal, what the causes of it, but also some tips really to help manage it because you're not, as I said earlier, well, it's not something you can just cure, but you can learn to live with it and manage it. Mm-hmm. And the workshops are very much focus on different parts. So there's a big focus on exercise because exercise is probably the work, last thing you want to do if you're feeling so fatigued, but it's actually probably the best thing to be doing um now you could as lana said it's about starting off small and setting realistic goals Mm. um but there is organizations out there to help with that so within within northern ireland we have mcmillan for example have move more coordinators in every every trust now and they have a a a wide program of events that they do and to give you a bit of support and for our young people we have our crossfit program again crossfit's not going to be everybody's cup of tea so you have to find a exercise that you enjoy so it could be anything from yoga to some people just it's walking outside so it's about something you enjoy so that you keep at it Uh um and as lana said getting a referral to a physio might just be the thing that helps yeah Yeah. just to help you set those goals Uh and um so it's definitely beneficial other things the workshop talks about is obviously healthy diet um because if we're living off sugars and bad things it just drains your energy as well so it is as much as possible trying to eat regular meals um, and trying to kind of keep them healthy and well balanced sleep obviously is important and it's like it's the importance of having a, re, a routine so trying to go to bed about the same time at night and trying to get up about the same time if you're napping during the day try to limit it to maybe 20 minutes or half an hour because if you go mm-hmm. beyond that it can just make you feel more fatigued other things we would talk about would be managing stress, taking time out to relax, um, doing something you enjoy, and that's different for everybody. So mm-hmm. trying to think when you're at your lowest, what gives you that wee bit of enjoyment in life, and whether it's just could be coffee with a friend, could be just an order yourself outside, um, or, or, or of course, just complementary therapies like uh, reflexology, massage, that type of thing, which is, can get access to through some of the cancer charities as well. Um, yeah and it's about I suppose just living with your fatigue and thinking we talk a wee bit about your fatigue being like a, a battery so you have so much energy and that battery once it goes it goes it needs recharge so if you've only so much in that battery you can't do everything you're going to have to sit and prioritize and mm-hmm. do the most important things and if you can delegate great if you've nobody to delegate to there's you know there's certain things you can just put off for another day mm-hmm. Um, so I suppose um, uh, one of the things that we would talk about in like my side of work would be um, if you are struggling with your fatigue or struggling with your energy levels and you want to go and talk to a medical professional but you're not sure 
one of the things you could do for yourself before you get to that conversation would be to keep a diary um, um, of of that and you could keep uh, a record of things that drain you so that might be like maths classes in school or um, talking to your mother whatever I don't know find you find draining (laughs) and then other things that energize you because as you said it's not necessarily always sleep that gives you energy it could be having a bath or talking to a friend or um and if you keep that detailed diary for a period of time it means that you can evidence when you speak to your medical team of actually how yeah no that's a that's a really good idea and I think with a lot of symptoms that people suffer from it's it's good to have that kind of diary because it gives you that as you said Laura when you're going to see your um consultant or your team it, it's it's demonstrating the impact that that fatigue's mm-hmm. having on your life yeah um, rather than just kind of saying i'm feeling tired or whatever and uh-huh. they can see that actually you couldn't go to school on this day because it was so tired um i literally slept all this next day and yeah. missed my best friend's wedding or something you know it's yeah. those just to kind of demonstrate because your doctors impact. as well would be worried like lana said that experience of going to school and then going straight to bed and then waking up to go start school yeah. again like that's not life is it no, that's not no and like that's you know that's that's awful you had a really really difficult experience Lana and I guess um me as a clinical nurse specialist and the the medical team that I work with would want to know just that 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 the big impact that that's having because that's affecting your your future as well if you know in terms of education and things so Mm -hmm. do speak up yeah so you really tried everything to combat this fatigue yeah (laughs) you did everything credit to you and I suppose I'm interested what happened in 2021 that you find things started to change to be honest for me it was kind of a spontaneous resolution I mean I had you know I'd gone to the gym and stuff and hadn't really uh seen a a ton of improvement Mm -hmm. um but it was it was quite a sudden and quite a spontaneous resolution for me and after that it was it was more kind of building my muscles up again you know if I walk too much I would get you know tendonitis or something from like a long period of inactivity mm. so it's it is still sort of building up from zero mm-hmm. but I definitely find I had it like a bit more energy mm-hmm. to at least start that that process of building up from zero yeah um, but it, it was quite spontaneous for me but that's good but I suppose over these five years you you've been working on it hadn't you you've been yeah. building yourself up little by little and suddenly you just felt like oh the rest is left yeah. yeah um and what you said you've mentioned in the past what exercises were you doing that you find helpful when I started going to the gym um my first session was with a I guess like a personal trainer mm-hmm. and they took me through you know quite like gentle uh gentle exercises with like I guess pulleys mm-hmm. uh, and you know walking on the treadmill and stuff and they they took me through kind of gentle exercises that I could start with and then build upon mm-hmm. um so it was it was a little bit of everything the except strength training I wasn't like you know bench pressing or nothing but uh, <laughs> aside, aside from that it was just a lot of cardio and yeah, yeah. brilliant so uh for, unfortunately for people listening exercise is the answer to eating healthy and exercise yeah. Unfortunately, it's not chocolate and TV, no, is it? It's not, and it's the last thing you want. You want when you're feeling <laughs> so fatigued. But do you know? I guess everybody's different. It's working out what is good for you. But I think a lot of people and young people get benefit out of going to something along with people. Now that could be a friend, or it could be something like the CrossFit group, where there's a, a group of young people who understand actually what it's like to be living 
with the after effects of cancer, essentially. Um, so you're getting the benefit of, because it's, as Lana said, it can be quite isolating. Yeah. Quite, you can mm-hmm. probably become quite withdrawn. So it's actually having the double benefit there of meeting mm-hmm. people, you know, mental health is going to improve. And also you're getting a bit of exercise in there too. So Yeah. Um, so if um, so, okay. So someone listening is going, okay, yeah, I'll maybe try this exercise thing, but no, I don't want to meet other people, or I don't want to do. There are other charities out there that offer online programs specifically for um, people who have had cancer. So Trekstock, um, and they're across the UK, have an online program called Renew, I think. And there's the Move Charity as well, who offer a 12-week program all online um, um, with people that are trained to work with uh, young people who have had cancer. So um, that might be another option for people if they want to just try it before they yeah. <laughs> get down to the gym, <laughs> start lifting weights. Yeah, Absolutely. Or, you know, if you're in Northern Ireland, we also... If you, we tell it a wee bit about Macmillan Move more, yeah. which is obviously a lot of classes and things. But if you just want to do something on your own those move more coordinators can meet with you as a one on to one and get you into the gym get you free access for a while and do a wee bit of a plan with you so yeah definitely yeah and other areas of your life like you, you would say recommend people go and get their bloods checked and other things like that just to make sure it's not something that could be easily fixed absolutely especially if it's a new fatigue or it's getting worse or it's just not shifting we want to know about it because obviously there is different causes for fatigue. Some of them are s- simple things like maybe somebody has low iron or le- low vitamin B12 or something, which can be quite easily fixed. Other things like checking um, blood tests like your thyroid, um, checking for diabetes, just making sure that there's nothing else impacting your fatigue. And, and obviously just your doctors, your medical team obviously want to keep a close eye on how you, mm-hmm. you're feeling. So definitely... It's important not just to say this is just me for life and it's horrible because it could be something that can be helped. Mm-hmm. And um, for any friends or family listening, um, Lana, I suppose, what advice would you give to them to help someone that was maybe struggling with cancer-related fatigue? I would just say it's important to listen to the experts in the medical field. Mm-hmm. It's also important to take, on, take into account what the young person is saying for themselves because... Mm-hmm we do have to advocate for ourselves yes and I think it it can it can sometimes be kind of a a new area and you're unfamiliar with it and you want to make assumptions but sometimes it's important to just listen Uh take on take it on board yeah don't dismiss just listen yeah other things you can do cook for them absolutely shop for them shop for them (laughs) clean for them (laughs) clean for them yeah um but even just at a minimum yep listen and I think Young people just you just want to be heard, don't you? Believed and validated. So, you know, it's and for any parents or family members out there, if your your younger person in the house is struggling with fatigue, it's having a, probably a massive impact on their mental health and everything else. So, you know, just being there for them and understanding and learning yourself more about fatigue and how you can help them. And as as we said earlier on, there's lots of information out there on Macmillan, mm-hmm. Treadstock. You know, even going along to a fatigue workshop with your young person is yeah. another option just to get an understanding so absolutely and we'll link in the description of this podcast we'll link to all those resources and stuff that's more specific to northern ireland as well so check out the description if you want to um check out those charities or those resources that we've talked about 
Lana, I think it's important that we end with you. What would you, what would your best bit of advice or what would you have loved to say to yourself five years ago if you could speak to yourself now? It's important to be patient with yourself and it can be frustrating going from like maybe knowing yourself and your activity levels to suddenly being presented with a new reality and having to make those adjustments. But, you know, just do the best you can and be patient it will get better thank you to the national lottery community fund for funding this podcast as part of our together we thrive project and enabling us to share these stories if you'd like to get in touch with either young lives versus cancer or cancer fund for children or teenage cancer trust our contact details are in the description of this podcast alongside some further signposting to the organizations mentioned thank you for listening we hope you enjoyed the tea 